listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Ephesians chapter 1, and uh, I want to break some things down uh, today for you that are going to help you to see, you know, one of the things that frustrates me as a minister, you know, as I'm traveling throughout this nation, other nations, and I encounter Christians and um, they have questions, they're wondering uh, why certain things are taking place in their life, why they're experiencing certain things and uh, why breakthroughs haven't happened. I'm going to talk about that tonight uh, and explain why some people in the body of Christ um, are frustrated and why others seem to be on cloud nine all the time. And that's going to be the major theme of this broadcast tonight, how to go from frustration into manifestation. That would be uh, the, the thought that we're going to be dealing with, how to go from frustration to manifestation. Tyra is asking, should we fast only until the 22nd with you guys or do our 21 days since we have started late? Do your 21 days, Tyra. Yeah, go at it. Stay faithful with it. But if you're, pu- if you're putting it in the comments, write it this way, from frustration to manifestation. Hey, Raina. And that's really what we're going to talk about. And I want, that's why I wrote it like that in the, co- in the title. Uh, it's time to make a withdrawal. It's time to make a withdrawal. And so we're going from frustration to manifestation. And what I mean by that is God doesn't want you to live in frustration. He doesn't want you to live going from problem to problem, crisis to crisis, issue to issue. And one of the things that, um, that I've heard said, and I do agree with it, is if all you ever have is revelation with no manifestation, it truly does lead to frustration. Because you've got all this knowledge, you've got all this, uh, if you will, spiritual vision where you can see what God will do. You know his nature, you know how he moves, you know how he functions, you know what's available to you, but you just never see it come to pass. So you've got all this revelation, you've got no manifestation, and so what's left? You're frustrated. It's frustration. And so we want to talk about that tonight. And thank you for sowing a seed, Ben. I love you guys. How do we go from frustration to manifestation? And that's God's plan for you. Um, That's why I had you turn to uh, Ephesians chapter one. I want to start there and just kind of lay out uh, this thought for you tonight. It's Ephesians chapter one, and I'll read to you uh, verse number three, Ephesians one, three. Jump on this with me. Listen, blessed be the God and father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. That's past tense. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Okay. So let me just break that down. I agree with you, Caitlin. Many people struggle with that and then they fall back into the old way of living because they're not seeing what they're confessing. They're not seeing what they've been taught. They're not seeing what they're believing for. And so they get frustrated and they just back off. 
But that's not, that's not what God wants. And that's not what God wants to take place uh, in your life. Look at this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So right off the bat, let me say this. There are no more blessings to be blessed with. Let me say that from the top. There are no more blessings to be blessed with. In fact, it's almost, uh, once you understand the word of God, it's almost um, worthless in a way to continue to stand around and pray, oh Lord, bless me, oh Lord, bless me, oh Lord, bless me. In one sense, now I know what many people mean is let me see the manifestation of those things, but in one sense, it's pointless because the Bible says he's already blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And so one of the things I want you to start out by seeing is this, there are no more blessings to be blessed with. You've got them all. You've got them all. If you're a Christian, if you're in the kingdom, you've got them all. Amen. I want you to put that in the comments. I have all blessings. I have all blessings because that's true. That's what the Bible teaches. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. And, and so here's the thing. Do all Christians have all blessings? Yes, is the answer to that. Yes. Do all Christians have all blessings? Yes. No question. The Bible says it here. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So now let's break this down because here's the disconnect. Here's where the frustration sets in. Uh, If all Christians have every spiritual blessing, can you look right now across the body of Christ and find Christians that are living below the blessing level in any area? Can you find any Christians living below the blessing level in their relationships, in their health, in their uh, mental peace and joy, in their finances? Can you find any Christians living below the blessing level? Absolutely you can. Absolutely you can. You can see them all over the place. Now, does that mean they've not been blessed with all spiritual blessings? No, it does not. They have been blessed. Hey, Brother Kevin, Dalton, love you. Uh, They have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. But notice the phrasing of that verse because it is important when it comes to the teaching on this. Blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So understand where your account is. Where is your account? In heavenly places. It's already in heavenly places. Is Christ going to heal you or did he already heal you? 
See, and this is not, by the way, for anybody that would get on my case or any Pentecostal charismatic case, well, that's just semantics. Now we're just mincing words. No, we're not. It's not just semantics. It's not just a matter of wordplay, if you will. It makes all the difference in the world to understand this. Is Jesus going to heal you or did he heal you? Here's another question. Is he going to forgive you or did he already forgive you? Are you going to be redeemed or are you already redeemed? So that's the question. If you're a Christian, are you going to be redeemed one day when you get to heaven or are you redeemed right now? Well, of course you're redeemed right now. Are you, is he going to heal you or did he heal you by taking stripes upon his back? Of course he did. The Bible says so in first Peter chapter two and verse 24, by whose stripes we were healed. We were healed. This is a, this is a social club misfit shirt. We were healed. Is he going to bless us? Or are we already blessed? We're already blessed. So the the issue here, and again, this is not a mincing of words. This is not wordplay. It's not semantics. This makes a difference because the Bible teaches that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The Bible teaches that we have a responsibility to take what God has for us or what he's given to us and appropriate it by faith. Let me, let me say this, our account, or you can put it this way in the comments. If you want to write it, my account is in heavenly places. My account is in heavenly places. Now, do I, as a man, do I have money? Yes, I do. I absolutely have money. Can you see it on this table? Do you see my money on this table? No, there's no money on this table. My Bible's here, my water, my notepad, my phone. You don't see my money, but that doesn't mean I don't have any. Absolutely, I have money, but where is it? It's in my account. It's in my account. What do I need to do if I'm gonna spend that money? Well, you need to do if you're gonna spend that money. You have to access your account Somehow. And so we know, obviously, in 2020, one, I'm still in 2020. What's the deal? I'm still in 20, I was so blessed. I stayed there. In 2021, there are multiple ways to access your account. You can use a debit card if you're at the store and just swipe it. You could go to the ATM, insert the card, put your pin in, withdraw cash. Uh, you could write a check. You, may, you might have PayPal or Cash App connected or Zelle connected to your bank account and you could use an app to access your account. However you do it though, you have to access your account where the funds are. And the same thing's true in the kingdom. You have to access your account. There's so many Christians. Now, I want you to think about this. Do you realize the fact that if you, even if you were a multimillionaire, if you are a multimillionaire, if you didn't have access to your accounts, 
you literally would have to live like a pauper. If, if somehow your accounts got tied up and locked and you couldn't withdraw anything, then literally you've got to go look for change on the street or in the couch to even go to Walmart and buy a 20 cent packet of ramen noodles. And you're a multimillionaire. Why are you living like that? Because you don't have access to your account. That's, that's rough. You're, you've got millions in the bank and you have to sit there and eat ramen noodles because you can't gain access to your account. And the same is true with Christians. It's not that you don't have funds. It's not that you don't have resources. It's not that God has not blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. It's just that those things are in your account. Hallelujah. They're in your account. If you need forgiveness, it's in your account. If you need healing, it's in your account. If you need peace or joy, it's in your account. If you need strength, it's in your account. If you need financial increase, it's in your account. It's already there for you. It's not coming. It exists in your account. There's my friend, Pastor Robert Conover. Love you, buddy. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. And so I want you to uh, catch this with me. Faith is the access point to your account. Put that in the comments tonight. Faith is my access point to my account. Think of it this way. Faith is the card and the pin number that allows you to withdraw funds from your account. Amen. Faith is the card and pin number that allows you to withdraw funds from your account. And I want to read to you Matthew chapter 11, and uh, I'm going to read to you the 12th verse, Matthew 11, 12. That's it. Put it in the comments. Faith is my access point to my account. No question about it. Matthew 11, 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. And the violent take it by force. The violent take it by force. And so there's got to be a violent faith that takes by force what God said belongs to you. It's important to know. And we've been dealing with this on the broadcast for the last couple of sessions. There are giants in every person's promised land. The devil doesn't want you to be forgiven. He doesn't want you to be healed. He doesn't want you to have peace or joy. He doesn't want you financially blessed. So he's going to come against you in any way that he can, any way that he can. He will try to attack you. The Bible says we're required to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold. See, if you're not a fighter, you're not qualified to be a winner. Hallelujah. In fact, put it this way in the comments. Only fighters are qualified to be winners. Only fighters are qualified to be winners. That's the key. Only fighters 
are qualified to be winners. If you don't fight, how can you win? If you don't press toward the mark, how will you win the race? See, Paul said it this way. We're not running just to run. We're running that we may obtain a prize. Glory to God. I'm running that I may obtain a prize. Hallelujah. And so know this, even when Jesus was on the earth, okay? Even when Jesus was on the earth, he was the word made flesh. He was the anointing embodied. And he was on the earth touching people by his power. But do you realize that he couldn't touch everybody? He wanted to, but he couldn't. That, that's big. That's big. Because what God had in their account was in Christ. Same as today. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ in Christ. And so know this with me. It was in Christ. Then he was the healer. Then he was the deliverer. Then he was the provider. Then glory to God. Only fighters are qualified to be winners. And we fight by faith. Why? Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You don't fight the devil with a gun. You don't fight him you know, with brass knuckles, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. <laughs> Hallelujah. They're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Absolutely. And so we fight by faith and we obtain by faith. We take what's ours by faith. Giants have to come down by faith. That's how it works. And so here, Jesus was the embodiment of that power while he was on the earth. He was the embodiment of that anointing, the manifestation of God's nature, but he couldn't do it for everybody, which frustrated him because he wanted to touch people. He wanted to see them healed and receive miracles, you see, but he couldn't. Why couldn't he? Why? Well, let's read it. Mark chapter six, Mark chapter six, I'll start with verse one. Jesus went away from there and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter? the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet's not without honor, except in his own hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. Now, verses five and six will blow your mind if you've never seen it in this context. And Jesus could do no mighty work there, none except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled at what? Their unbelief, man. And so what did he do? What was the cure? And so he went about the villages teaching, teaching. Why? Faith comes by hearing 
and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What caused them to miss out on their inheritance? What caused them to miss out on his blessing? Unbelief, a lack of faith. Look at that. Unbelief, a lack of faith. It does it every time. It does it every time. It is an enemy. It's an enemy of your manifestation. Let me just say it this way. Unbelief and double-mindedness will keep you in frustration. Here's a massive key if you can catch it tonight. Unbelief and double-mindedness will keep you in frustration. The Bible says in uh, James 1, 6 through 8, that if you've got double-mindedness, if you're not single-minded in faith, that type of a person cannot receive anything from the Lord. Not one thing. For he's a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. All of his ways. And shouldn't, now think about how heavy that is. Shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. That's the demonic nature of unbelief. Now here's why. That the devil deals in deception. Catch this tonight. The reason that the devil deals in deception is because he wants to throw a wrench into the works and get you to start doubting what God already said, what he already promised, what he already made available. Don't you know, and I've pointed this out on the broadcast, the first thing that we have record of the devil saying in history on the earth anyway, was to Eve. And what did he say to Eve? Did God really say? That was the first statement. Did God really say? And then what he said was a twisting of what God had actually said. Did God really say you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden? God never said that. God said you can't eat of this tree. This tree. Not all the trees, that all the trees were for them. And look how Satan twisted it. He's still to this day trying to twist what God has already said. That's what he does. He deals in deception to try to get you into unbelief and into doubt. That's why those who stand before you and preach to you and teach you will actually have to answer heavily for what they say. They'll have to answer heavily for what they say and what they teach. They will answer. If they're teaching false doctrine, they'll answer to God for it. You know why? Because God loves his sheep. He loves his lambs. And false doctrine, a twisting of the scripture, a twisting of what God said is demonic to keep people in a place where they're missing out on what God has planned for their life and what Jesus died for. You see that when somebody stands up and teaches or preaches that maybe if you're going through problems and sickness and cancer or whatever it might be, it's God teaching you a lesson He's teaching you to depend more fully on him. He has a lesson in all of this. We may not know what it is now, 
but he's got a lesson. He's teaching us as he drags us through the problems of life. They'll answer for that. They'll answer to God for literally, you know what it is? Defamation of character. That's exactly what it is. Defamation of character. They are literally doing that to God's character, to God's nature, because they're teaching you that God's nature is sometimes he makes his children sick for a greater purpose. That's defamation of character. That's exactly what it is. You can get sued for that on the earth. Imagine how God will deal with people who have literally uh, engaged in defamation of his character, telling people that he does evil things and literally attributing the works of Satan to the most high God. That's why it's no joke to stand in the office of one of the fivefold ministry gifts. It's not a joke to stand in the office of apostle or prophet or evangelist or pastor or teacher. It's no joke because you stand before the Lord for what you teach God's people. Because one of the things you got to understand is what's being taught to God's people is shaping their understanding of who God is and what they can receive from him. If all I ever did when you logged onto this broadcast was taught you, and I'm sure many of you have enough background to know it would be wrong, but what about new believers? What about people that just got saved? If I was the ministry that they were feeding from and I just continually told them, you know, just get ready for hard things to hit you in life. Get ready, get ready because sometimes God will test your body with sickness to see if you really love him, to see if you're depending upon him or to help you be a better witness to others, to help you to, to, to know what others are going through, to teach you a lesson or to humble you. Imagine that. Well, what happens? A wrong state of believing gets into somebody's spirit so that when the things that are coming against their life start to hit them, you know what happens? They start to think, well, maybe this is God. Maybe God's trying to show me something. You know what that does then? Because if you don't know if it's God or not, how would you ever know whether to believe for deliverance or not? Now, here's a huge point I want you to get in your spirit. If you don't know if your problems are coming from God or not, how could you ever know whether to ask him for deliverance or healing or blessing or anything that negates the problem you're going through? Because let me, let me break it down this way. Anytime, now if, if God ever puts sickness on somebody or drags them through the problems of life, if God ever does that for his glory, where in the world did Jesus ever encounter that in the New Testament that he said, because here's what Jesus would have had to do because he's never rebellious to his father, right? He could only do what he saw the father do. He could only say what he heard the father say. And so if that was ever the case in the New Testament, then why didn't Jesus ever come across one person, not even one, who they said, Lord, would you heal me? Would you make me whole? If it's your will, you can make me whole. Why was there never an answer from Christ like this? Well, normally, 
I would make you whole, but I can perceive that what you're going through is actually something that my father sent upon you to make you stronger, to help you, to depend more fully on him, to humble you, to teach you a lesson, to make you a better testimony. So for you, I'm not going to heal you because this is for a purpose. This is for a purpose, not going to heal you. I'm going to let you remain in what you're in because it came from my father. Why was there never one experience of that happening in the new Testament? Because that's not what God does. Do you realize that every time I I, I love that because Andrew brings up a great point because one of the number one go-tos, everybody says, well, what about Job brother, brother, what about Job? And so Job started by blaming God. And you know what the Bible says happened? If you read the story of Job, Job, God sent somebody to Job to rebuke him for his foolishness, spent three whole chapters rebuking him. When he was done, God then stepped in and rebuked Job for another three chapters. And then Job finally has to say, I was speaking about things that I did not understand. And he repents. And at the end, when he discerns who the real thief was, Satan, once the thief was truly identified, God was able to bless Job again and gave him a double portion of what he had before. Hallelujah. So even if you're going to use the story of Job, It doesn't work in the the favor of that argument because it wasn't God that attacked him. Satan did. Satan did. And when he finally discerned it, God then came and blessed him double what he had before he started. It's not God's nature to do that. He doesn't do it to his children. And that's why there's no examples in the New Testament of that happening because it's not God's nature, nor is it his character. So understand what I'm teaching you tonight. This is why it's no joke what you get in your spirit. It's no joke who you listen to. It's no joke who you attach yourself to because those people, what they teach, what they preach, it will shape your thinking. There's, there's whole groups of preachers that I won't even turn them on. Hear what I'm saying. I won't even turn them on. Not, I won't even listen to a thing they have to say because they don't have a word of truth in their mouth. They don't have a word of truth in their mouth whatsoever. And so I I won't, I won't even allow, I'm not going to even allow my uh, spirit to be tainted. Won't even allow my spirit to be tainted with that unbelief. And Robert Davis brings up another point from the gospel of John chapter nine, verses two and three, because that's another place that people go to and misinterpret that scripture as though Jesus is saying that God made that man sick for his glory, for his purpose. If that's the case, then why didn't Jesus respond in the way that I just said? Why is it? See, here's what you'd have to, and I'm sure Robert Davis is asking that genuinely and I'm answering it genuinely. If that's what God did, that God made that man sick or allowed him to be born that way for his own glory, then when Jesus then healed him, he was in rebellion to his father's plan. And he's not in rebellion to his father's plan, ever. 
ever. And so I want you to see this, that there is, there is no nature of God that is evil. God doesn't harm his children, doesn't hurt. He's not a child abuser. That's a big thing for people to get in their spirit. Your God, your father is not a child abuser. The way some preachers preach Jesus and preach God, if he was a father on the earth, child protective services would come take us away from God. Because the way that he, they preach him, he's a child abuser. He's putting cancer on people. He's the one destroying people, letting their children die and all. That's not God. I said, that's not God. What a wicked interpretation of the God that you serve. Wicked. But notice what's going on. They're not, you know what's happening? They're not accessing their heavenly account. Why aren't they? They don't have a proper belief system about who God is. And here's the crux of the matter. If you don't know what to believe, you're double-minded. If you don't know what to believe, you're confused. How should I petition God? Should I ask him for healing? Should I ask him for peace and joy? Should, or, or am I dealing with this because he wants me to? What's going on? I'm confused. I'm conflicted. I don't know whether to even ask him. Should I even pray? That's real. People deal with that. They deal with those thoughts. They deal with those thoughts. And then they don't know what to do. Well, maybe God's got, got me going through this for his glory. No, he doesn't. Let me, let me show you something from uh, the book of James. I hope I'm helping you tonight. That's right, Mike. Double-minded man's unstable in all of his ways. Let not that man think he'll receive anything from the Lord. So as we're talking about going from frustration to manifestation, you've got to have a right understanding of who God is before you can receive anything he has for you. That's faith. Faith is a right understanding and belief in who God is. That's it, Robin. It's a revelation of God's love. If you don't know how much he loves you, you would think he would do those things to you. But, you, you know, we can't imagine doing that to our own kids. You know what I mean? We can't even imagine doing that to our own children. And we're not God. <laughs> I mean, think about that. We're not God. Here's what blows me away. I have to sit here and meditate for a minute. I got three kids. You saw them the other night on the broadcast. I got three beautiful children. I can't imagine. I can't imagine in my, I'm glad, Brittany. That's a great thought. I, I can't imagine having my own children in front of me and saying, you know what? You disappointed me. And you need to learn how to depend on daddy. So tonight, I'll be injecting all of you with a disease. And the disease will be in your bloodstream. And from this night forward, all three of my kids are going to be diseased so that they can't go live life to the full. They have to depend on dad. To I can't even imagine. Tonight, I'll be putting cancer cells in all three of your bodies. I mean, I can't imagine. And I am such an imperfect, I mean, just like everybody else, imperfect human father. That's what Jesus made the point about in Matthew 7. You earthly fathers. You know what he's doing, don't you? He's contrasting God's 
perfect nature, his perfection. There's nobody like unto our God. He is just, he's holy. And then you're going to compare yourself as an earthly father and think you're better at being a dad than God is? Please. I'm not better at being a dad than God is. <laughs> Let me just break the news to everybody tonight. I'm not better at being a dad than God is. He is the heavenly father and he blows anybody's ability to father their children out of the water. Amen. And if I wouldn't even do it as an earthly father, you'd have to be messed up in the mind to believe God would do it. You'd have to be, I mean, literally your mind has to be like warped. to believe that that's how God is, because he's not. Now, let me, let me make a point here. I hope you're writing these scriptures down because this will help you, accessing your heavenly account, it'll help you. See, go back and reference these thoughts. Go back and watch these videos again and again. And when you, when you watch these videos again and again, it gets, this way of thinking gets into your spirit. It becomes default and it needs to become the default. It needs to become your go-to. Hey, Brother Daryl, James 5. This is, what I'm getting ready to read you from James 5 is a straight up command to the body of Christ. It's a straight up command. It's a, this is the way you do things. That's why the instructions being given from the word of God, this is inspired by the Holy Ghost. It's inspired by the Holy Ghost. And so it's something to be given to the Christian. It's written to the Christian. So, Listen to it. James chapter five. And uh, let's start reading with verse 13. Okay. I'm going to read through verse 16. So mark this in your notes, in your notebook, in your Bible. James 5, 13 through 16. This is a very, you'll see the logic in this when I'm done reading. You'll see the logic. Question. Is any among you suffering? Talking about to the Christians in the church. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Why? What's the point in praying if God initiated my suffering? That's why I can't tell you how much. I'm I'm just going to be very transparent right now. I can't tell you how much it turns my stomach to hear these preachers. I'm using that very, very loosely. These preachers preach this doctrine of suffering to the church that God's got you going through. He's dragging you. He's crushing you. I want to vomit all over your message. I want to vomit all over your notes. I want to vomit all over your face. (laughs) You bum, you absolute bum. And you got people all jumping up because it's soulish. It's soulish. It accesses the souls of men, not the spirits of men. Accesses the carnal nature, the souls, the unregenerated, unrenewed mind. 
People are all jumping up and shouting how many he's been dragging you through something. How many know 2020 that he's been crushing you so that he can use you. How many know he's breaking you because a broken vessel. And people are all, you know, because people are still in their soul. They've not renewed their mind. They're carnal in their flesh nature. And so that's what they think. They think all the crap they've been going through it. They love to just put it off onto God rather than I didn't obey the word and I made bad decisions. And so I've got a harvest that's come to me. That's not what I want. Instead of thinking that they would rather believe that by his sovereign nature, God put all this crap on their life and he's breaking you and he's taking you through the mud. He's kicking you in the ribs and he's taking you through the trial by fire. People like the people jumping up out of their seats and praise breaking and the organ screaming and it's all a bunch of crap. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. God doesn't do that to his children whom he redeemed. He doesn't do that. That's not his nature. That's not who he is. It's not who he is. Listen to me very carefully. Listen to me very carefully. I'm sorry for your children, Robert. This is a, listen, this is a PG 13 show. I'm just gonna be very honest with you. It's PG 13. Um, (laughs) Hear what I say very carefully. Because there's a distinction to be made. Just because God makes all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. Just because that's true, and it is true, and it is true that the Bible does teach that. All things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Just because God does that does not mean he's the author of the things that he has to make work together for good. Can God take something that you've dealt with or something that you had to go through because of even a bad mistake or decisions you made, is he able to take your situation and turn it around and make it work for your good? Of course he's able to do that. Of course he can. Of course he can. But it doesn't mean he's the author of what you dealt with at the beginning. Doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. For example, Let's say the devil attacked you and cancer came upon your body. I'm using extreme examples tonight. Cancer came upon your body and you went through and then, you know, you were at stage four cancer. You had it for, you know, eight months, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, somehow you either got into a service, somebody came lay hands on you, you prayed, fat, whatever it might be. And God, by his power, healed your body. Cancer's gone. You're cancer free. And now you've got a testimony. I went through cancer. I had eight months of cancer, stage four. I was going to die. And now he takes your testimony and lets you stand before others who had cancer or have cancer. 
and that you preach your testimony and say, God, I had it for eight months. I wasn't going to die. I had stage four, but God, by his mighty power, healed my body. And just like he healed me, he can heal you. And then somebody hears your testimony and faith jumps up in their spirit and they receive their miracle. Okay. Yes. You went through something. Yes, God healed you, turned it, brought you out, and then used that thing and worked it together, not only for your good, but for the good of somebody else that heard what your testimony was and then got their miracle. Now, is that good? Yes. They got healed, you got healed, and you've got a testimony. Now, did God author your cancer? No. No. God's not the author of sickness and disease. He did not put it in your life. Did he turn it and make it work for your good? Yes, he can do that, but he's not the author. And that's a big distinction to be made. That's a big, because people think that in order, now listen to me, people think that in order to have something that will touch those that are going through the same, that you have to go through the same thing and you don't. For example, let me give you, let me give you an example. Jesus healed lepers throughout the Bible. He healed lepers throughout the new Testament, throughout the gospels. Did Jesus ever have leprosy? No, Jesus was never a leper. He didn't have to go through it so that he had something to bring to that community. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. I've never been bankrupt, never will be bankrupt, but I don't have to be to minister to those who need provision and prosperity and breakthrough financially. I don't have to struggle in order to come out and then give you some, I don't have to be bankrupt. I don't have... I mean, that's, what a crazy thought. So that means that in order to minister to anybody that's got something going on, you have to first go through it yourself. No, that's what the power of God is for. The anointing breaks every yoke of bondage. That's what the power of God's for. Hallelujah. So back to James 5, 13, is anyone among you suffering? How many know you got something? God brought you through. He put you in the fire. He broke your vessel. He smacked your head. No, because if he's the one making you suffer, there's no point praying because you know what's going to happen. You're going to say, God, I'm suffering. He's going to go, I know. I sent it. Quit asking me to change it. I put it on you. There's no point. There's no point. Shows you right here. It's not God's desire for the Christian to suffer. It's not God's desire for the Christian to suffer. Make it personal in the comments. It's not God's desire for me to suffer. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Okay, here's another one. You ready for this? Verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call 
for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. Wait a minute. How do we, how do we tell the difference? Here's the question. When they're coming to the elders of the church, when they're sick, how do we tell the difference between the ones who the devil made sick and the ones God made sick? How can we tell the difference? Because that'll determine which ones we should pray for. I only want to pray for the ones the devil made sick because I don't want to go against God's plans. I don't want to go against God's plans. Interesting, isn't it, that there's no instruction. Hold on. No matter which way you look at the Bible, there's no instruction on how to determine the ones who the devil made sick and the ones who God made sick. Because if God did it, don't ask him to change it. He did it for his purpose. So why are his men praying for those that are sick, that are asking for prayer, if they don't even know if it was God? It's because they knew from the beginning, obviously. God didn't do it. God didn't do it. They wouldn't go against God or his plans. They wouldn't go against God or his plans. They knew who was making people sick. The devil. You know how they knew? Wait a second. Let me, Christian's right. I didn't try to read from the backside. Nope. Doesn't even say from that side. You know how they knew the apostles? They knew because they watched Jesus. They knew because they had the word. Hmm. They watched Jesus. Reports of the, of what Jesus did through the gospels had already begun to spread, already begun to spread. So you catch it. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord. How could, here's a question. How could you even have true faith that God would do it if you weren't sure who did it? I can't have faith in that. I can't have faith in God to heal if I'm not sure if he's the author of the sickness. So how could I pray the prayer of faith? Impossible. Impossible. I'm talking about moving from frustration to manifestation. That's what I'm talking about. And here's one of the reasons why. Our blessings are already purchased for us. They're already in the account, but the account's in heaven. I don't need my blessings to remain in heaven. I need them here on the earth. That's why Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want his nature that's already manifesting in heaven to manifest in the earth. There's no sickness in heaven. And so for God's children, there needs to be no sickness on the earth. There's no poverty in heaven. For God's children, there needs to be no poverty on the earth. Understand that there's no, uh, depression, anxiety, fear in heaven. So there needs to be no anxiety, no depression 
no spirit of fear in God's children in the earth. Amen. You've got to take what God purchased for you and pull it out of the unseen realm by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. There's a Jonathan Juddles work on the broadcast. <laughs> Don't know who it could be. So catch it. Faith is the substance. It's real. The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. And so you know what ends up happening to Christians? They leave their blessings in the heavenly account, they leave their blessings where God placed them. And because of either bad teaching, unbelief, or whatever it might be, the devils deceive them. They leave them there. They leave them there. And then they go through life suffering and frustrated. And eventually, here's a plan of the devil for you. Here's a plan of the devil for you. And it was said earlier in the broadcast. The devil would love for you to go to a church where you can hear uh, these things or you hear me talk about them on the broadcast or whatever it might be, but you never experience them. He'd love that. You never experience them. So that you end up thinking, this stuff's a bunch of junk. I mean, this is, there's no way this is true. I've been listening to it. I've been believing it. It makes you think you believe it. And all of a sudden you're like, I don't, I don't, I just, it's a lie. It's all a lie. I'm out of here. He'd love for you to be ejected from the presence of God. Leave. Never come back again because of frustration where you didn't receive what God said was yours. Hmm. And it does happen. Janine's right. No relation. That's right. That's exactly right. I love that quote Andrew put in. Bishop Oedepo says, since faith is a substance, it's supposed to produce something. Otherwise, your faith is illegitimate. And what you have is not faith, but motivation. <laughs> Bishop Oedepo, uh, he'll always say, if your, if your faith has no proofs, it is fake. No proofs, it is fake. Faith should have proof. It should produce. It's exactly what it does. Please, anybody that's watching, try not to, don't cancel culture me because I, I attempted a Nigerian accent. And it's not racist. I promise. Don't cancel culture me. Don't report me to YouTube and Facebook. Um, <laughs> is there any sick among you? Let them call. Why would we call if we didn't know who was doing it to us? Obviously. And so here's the thing. People leave it. And remember, once again, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. It's time. Hear what I'm saying. That's why I put it in the, the title this way. It's time to make a withdrawal. It's time to make a withdrawal. You know, Alexander uh, brings a question. 
would motivation be a counterfeit of faith? It's one thing to be motivated. It's one thing to be excited. It's another thing to have faith. Amen. Because understand something. It's just like passion. It's just like having passion for something. You know, if you have passion but no discipline, passion can run out. But discipline keeps you consistent. But that's why James taught faith without works is dead. You can be motivated, excited, and passionate without ever doing anything. Without ever doing anything. Vision without action will also lead to frustration. Vision without action. Vision without action. You might, there might be a house that you want to buy. You might be, you know, in a place where you want to increase. You've been renting or you've been in an apartment, but you got to take action. There's things you've got to do to go get that house. You can't just get excited to live in a house. You can't just get excited to go to the next level with your family. There's steps you got to take to make it happen. You got to make it happen. You might want to start a business. You don't just get excited about business starting. You don't just watch a bunch of YouTube videos about entrepreneurs. You don't get all, man, I can't, this is, I'm telling you, I love business. Let me tell you about so-and-so. You can be passionate. You can be excited. You can be, but until you take action, faith without works is dead. Being alone. Amen. Ariane said, can you please touch on the subject of when you pray for healing and someone still dies or doesn't get healed? I know we don't have the answers. Just want to know your understanding of this. One of the things that I say when I'm praying for somebody is this, that the Bible says that we don't believe we receive when we receive or when we see it in the natural. You believe you receive when you pray. When you pray. One of the things that's important to understand I can't force healing on people. I can't force healing on people. You have to receive healing. That's the important point. You've got to receive healing. And the thing that I, that everyone should understand, because here's one of the biggest things that gets people frustrated. People say like, well, I knew so-and-so he was a godly man. What does that mean? All you ever have seen is, is what you saw when you were around a person, what you saw on the outside. That's all you ever saw. You don't see a, a real person. You don't see the whole of a person. You don't see their private dedication. You understand what I'm saying? You don't see their private dedication. You don't see their consecration. You only see the outside. That's why, like I heard somebody say one time, if you want to really get to know somebody, don't date them. Don't date them. You know why? Because when someone goes on a date, they're presenting to you the most perfect version of themselves that they can present. They've got makeup. They've got um, perfume or cologne. They've got their best outfit on. They've got their, I mean, everything is set so that you'll have a perception of who they are. That ain't who they are when they wake up in the morning. You think they smell like that? You think they look like that? They don't look like that. They don't look like that without makeup. They don't look like, they don't smell like that without cologne. Understand what I'm saying? They're presenting to you. And that's what happens in society all the time. We present. 
We present to people what they, what we want them to see. They don't see our whole lives. Only God sees our whole lives. And so I don't try to explain things away. If somebody doesn't receive, I don't try to explain it away because I'm not their judge. I'm not their jury. I don't have to have an answer for every person that didn't receive healing or didn't receive a miracle. It's not my business to try to explain that away. I don't know their heart. I don't know their personal life. There were many people that thought they knew people, didn't know them at all. What I say is what the Bible says, Mark chapter 11, whatsoever things that you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Brittany asks uh, uh, an extension of that question. So what about self-healing? If you've prayed for yourself and the manifestation isn't there yet, does that mean my faith level isn't high enough? I see many people lose faith due to even themselves and their own healing. That's it. Don't lose faith. See, don't lose faith. That's why that as you're believing God, it's like when I was preaching the other, uh, the other week about Elijah, when we were talking about how we're going to run in 2021. And I talked about Elijah, how, uh, you know, he had a word from the Lord that there was an abundance of rain coming. But every time he sent his servant to go look to see if it was happening yet, the servant would come back and say, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. I don't see anything. And so you know what? He would tell his servant, go back and look again. He didn't lose faith. He didn't quit praying. He didn't quit pressing. He said, just go back and look again. I'm still in faith. I'm still in faith. I believe the word. I believe the word. I believe the word. That's where you got to be, Brittany. I don't care what it looks on the outside. I don't care. I believe the word. The word says I'm healed. The word says I'm healed. You know, people... Um, it's important to know that it takes dedication to receive from the Lord. You know, it makes me think of uh, how we understand it in the natural, but we don't understand it in the supernatural many times. For example, it would be crazy of me to go to the gym once, bench press, look in the mirror and say, this stuff doesn't work. I just did a whole workout and I still look the same. Well, anybody knows it takes consistency and faithfulness to see those things happen. Now, in the spiritual realm, it's the same. I pray daily. I praise daily. I worship daily. I confess over myself daily. I'm, what am I doing? I'm sowing seeds. I'm sowing seeds that produce a harvest in my life. I'm creating my own atmosphere just through my pen. I'm getting so excited. Create my own atmosphere. That's right. You go from, well, Sean says, I got to get off the rubber weights before you go to the gym and bench press. True. It's very true. But you understand the seed, you're creating your own atmosphere. I'm keeping. And then what happens is as you build that maturity in the spirit of God, one of the things that you're doing is you're not trying to go from healing to healing or miracle to miracle. You're just walking in divine health daily, walking in divine health daily. And so what do we do? You know, when, I, when you see the statistics that the average Christian prays less than five minutes a day, which includes their mealtime prayers, you start to get a picture of why the average Christian's not where God wants them to be. Their dedication is next to nil, next to nothing, literally. 
And so I don't, I don't understand why the body of Christ at large seems like they're struggling so much because they don't tithe. They don't pray. They don't praise. They don't, I mean, and then we're like, well, I don't know why God's not coming through. He's looking for people whose hearts are turned toward him. I'm just telling you, if people would truly pray in the Holy Ghost, praise God. And I mean like praise God. That's why I'm so glad I found the Nigerian church, the African church at large. I believe so, Christian. I mean, confess. That's why we have prayer points that we provide. That's why I believe in writing out and having um, confessions that you confess over yourself. We, we, pr- we actually provide it for, for your children. And so I'm just telling you, I mean, I really thank God that I found the Nigerian church because I learned how to really press in in prayer. I learned how to press in in praise. I learned that, you know, it's not, it's not like, you know, you, you look at American prayer services. If you go to a prayer meeting in America, it's like people just doing this. That's not prayer. That's not prayer. What a great, what a great quote. Is that a, is that a Nigerian, like an Oyedepo Ataboya quote? Because if it's not, it, it sounds like one. Casual Christians become casualties. That's an excellent quote. Casual Christians become casualties. That's exactly right. And you got people just silently walking around the church in the, during the prayer meeting. What are you doing? I'm just basking in his presence. What in the world does that even mean? Literally, what does that mean? And then you look at these nations that have broken through. No. That, see, that, Robert, that's, that's where people don't get it. Because persecution for preaching the gospel is a different thing than physical healing. It's a different thing. Jesus didn't die and shed his blood so that we wouldn't be persecuted. He even prophesied. You'll be persecuted. You'll be hated all over the world for my name's sake. If they hated me, they'll hate you. So persecution for preaching the gospel or being a Christian is a totally different thing than physical healing, which is part of your redemptive covenant. God never promised to keep people away from persecution. Look at the martyrs through the New Testament. God didn't promise. He promised it would happen, not that it wouldn't. It's different. You can't lump those things in together. And that's how you should answer them, Robert. But I want you to catch that because it's so important. People walking around, basking in his presence. You look at the nations that have had breakthroughs. You look at Dr. Cho's church, Yoido Full Gospel Church in uh, Seoul, Korea. And they built Prayer Mountain with grottos dug into the side of a mountain where people will go and stay there for days and fast and pray and press in and pray. They pray. First thing in the morning, they pray. You go watch a prayer service from Bishop Oyedepo's church. You go watch a prayer service from uh, Pastor Adeboye's church, the Redeemed Christian Church of God. You're not going to see people just silently pacing through the auditorium, highlighting in their Bible, or just like listening to worship music. That's not prayer. Pray. Pray. And I mean press in in prayer. Spend an hour in prayer. Praise God. When was the last time you danced before the Lord behind closed doors? People think that stuff is crazy. It's not crazy. It's called dedication. When was the last time you danced before the Lord in your house? 
I ask people that. When's the last time you shouted and praised God? When's the last time you just spoke in tongues for an hour? And the answer for most people is never in my whole life. So I don't know why the body of Christ is struggling. I can tell you why they're struggling. They don't press in. It's like saying, well, I don't know why people don't have muscles. I know why they don't have muscles. Because it takes dedication and discipline and they don't want to do it. Just like every other Christian in the body of Christ. The flesh fights against the spirit and then they let the flesh win and they just don't do it. They let time fly by. They don't pray. They don't, they don't praise. They don't give. They don't, none of it. They don't fast. We're in the middle. Listen to me. We're in the middle of a 21 day fast and you've got Christian leaders posting their freaking meals on Instagram. It's pastors, pastors, associate pastors. Well, I gave God a couple of days. Good for you. What a great job. A leader of a body of believers. And you got Christians that aren't even preachers. You got Christians that aren't even in the full-time ministry. And they're doing 21 days of fasting and prayer. And you've got preachers that are like literally crazy. Thank you. Preachers posting their double cheeseburgers. I saw a guy that's fasting, posted a meal that's more food than what some people would eat when they're eating. And they're leaders in the body of Christ. Leaders in the body of Christ. They don't even care enough to press in for the first 21 days of the year. You say, well, you're, you're being awfully condemning. No, I'm trying to preach that, you know, you do realize this is what God calls his messengers to say. It's not like I'm some Christian in some back corner of a shadowy church picking apart a preacher's message and being, you know, critical. I'm, I'm not mentioning people's names. I'm calling out to the body of Christ and saying, if you're a spiritual leader, press in. In the middle of an attack against the nation of America, in the, in the middle of an attack against our world, and you got people posting their double cheeseburgers on Instagram. Well, we're just believing God for revival. No, you're not. No, you're not. Well, we've been just kind of doing what, you know, just skipping one meal a day. Good for you. Yeah, they're, you know, they're Daniel fasting. They're Daniel dieting. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, I dealt with that in the book. You know, if people have come through sickness or whatever it might be, you know, I, I understand not everybody's in position to fast right now. Pregnant mothers aren't fasting. Kids aren't fasting. Christian has chosen other things to fast. He's still young. His parents said, it's not time for you yet to fast. That's fine. I understand not everybody is jumping in. There's, there's people that, you know, I understand there's elderly people. There's people that are, uh, have chosen to take their medication and they've got to take it with meals. I understand that, but still pray, still pray. You understand? And it just blows my mind. And people, you know, we want to get upset because we're not seeing miracles take place, but we don't want any of the dedication that goes into receiving miracles. 
We want all of the funds to come out of the heavenly account, but we don't want any of the uh, faith that it takes to pull them. And we can't, we can't be blown away when it's not taking place. I don't know. I just don't understand why miracles. And I'm not, I'm not, this is not directed at Brittany. I'm not, you know, I know she asked the question that set me off. I'm not directing that at her. I know her and her husband very well and love them both. I'm talking about leaders. I'm talking about, I'm talking about people in the body of Christ at large, not the victory tribe. I know that you guys are on fire. You're here every day. You're here every day for another word. I'm talking about people at large. I'm talking about denominational church. I'm talking about the average nominal Christian. And they're in a place where they got nothing going on. It's not because God's not moving either. That's right, Mike. There is a price that comes with the miracle anointing. There is a price. Love you, Isaiah. There is a price that comes with the anointing. And it does take dedication. It does take consecration. It's not a game. (laughs) It's not a game. It's not a game. It blows my mind like, ah, I won't get into it. I won't get into it. Because I'm just at the place where I want to see people have a breakthrough. But then you realize to yourself, like, you can encourage people, you can preach, you can, you can do whatever, you can pray for them. <laughs> but, you know, you really can control yourself and that's about it. That's about it. You can control yourself and believe God for yourself, press in for yourself and encourage others to do the same. But if they won't do it, they won't do it. If they won't press in, they won't press in. You know, it's little stuff. You know, people get dissuaded by little stuff. But I'm just encouraging you because God has miracle breakthroughs for you. Those of you that are watching, don't give in. Don't drop off. We've got seven days left of fasting. Be strong. Stand with us. Pray. Seek the face of God. Watch what God will do in your life. It'll blow your mind. This will be the best year we've ever had. And it has nothing to do with the government. The economy has nothing to do with culture, has nothing to do with America, has to do with the anointing of God. The anointing of God. We're going to run in 2021 in the mighty name of Jesus. We're going to run by the power of the Holy Ghost. We're not going to miss out. We're not going to miss out. Somebody just put it by faith. I'm going to run in 2021. I'm going to run in 2021. Love you, Morgan. Put it in the comments. I'm going to run in 2021. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing, man. And we are. Glory to God, we are. Nothing's going to hinder us. Nothing's going to stop us or hold us back. The anointing of the Holy Ghost. Whoo! Glory to God. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. That's your story. They'll run and they'll not grow weary. They'll walk and they'll not faint in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, you're going to have new strength. You're going to mount up with wings and soar over every enemy, over every wicked thing. 
We're going to soar so high in 2021, not one wicked thing will be able to touch us in Jesus' name. Not one. We're going to have supernatural strength. We're going to run and not grow weary. Glory to God. We're going to walk and not faint by the power of the Holy Ghost. In the mighty name of Jesus. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to pray. I just feel the anointing to pray over you. Because listen, it's time to make a withdrawal on your heavenly account. Pull out what God said is yours. Pull out what God said is yours. Don't be satisfied with anything less than the best. Pull out what God said is yours. If the devil says you can't have it, smack him in the face and say, it's already mine, sucker. Take it by violent faith. Confess it till you see it. Declare it until it's in your hand. And take action that allows you to receive what God said is yours. Father, I pray right now for every man and woman watching. Maybe they're listening on the podcast. Maybe they're watching a replay. Let the mighty anointing of your spirit come upon them in Jesus' name. I pray that you would right now Put a fresh anointing upon every one of us, a fresh anointing, a fresh hunger. Let the mighty anointing of the Holy Ghost stir us into new levels of dedication and consecration. We thank you, Lord, that your eyes are going to find us. Your eyes are searching and your eyes are going to find us completely loyal to you. And as you find us, you're going to show yourself strong and mighty on our behalf. That's going to be our story all year long. Strong and mighty. Strong and mighty by the power of the Holy Ghost. Manifestation after manifestation. Miracle after miracle. Breakthrough after breakthrough. (laughs) We go from faith to faith, victory to victory, glory unto glory all year long. We thank you, Lord. We'll continue to build momentum. And when we turn around and look in December 31st, back at what you've done over 12 months, our minds and the minds of natural men will not be able to comprehend what you did in 12 short months. Hallelujah. 12 short months. And we thank you, Lord. And we give you praise. You are great. There's nobody like you. Nobody like you. Nobody gets the glory but you. Nobody gets the glory but you. In Jesus' name, amen. I wish Isaiah was in the studio with me tonight. I'd hand him a microphone and have him sing that song. All of the glory belongs to you. Y'all don't know that. (laughs) You deserve it. I'm telling you. Feel that. (laughs) All of the glory belongs to you. Isaiah is singing it in his house right now. Wish you were here to sing it. I love you. It's going to be a great, 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 great year. Just telling you, get ready. Get ready, man. God's opening the doors. You're going to have a great financial year. I'm talking to the faithful people of God. You're going to have a phenomenal financial year. 
Do not believe any lie of the devil about your finances or about the economy. I don't care what it looks like in the natural realm. Don't receive one negative word about your finances in 2021. You're going to increase like you never have in Jesus name. I'm just giving you a word. Don't receive any negative thing in the mighty name of Jesus. Don't receive it. If you're a pastor of a church, don't expect, well, we got to put aside, you know, we got, we're just preparing for maybe our giving to go down. No, don't receive it. Don't receive it. Giving's not going down. In fact, those of you that are watching me, your giving's going up this year in Jesus name. You're going to look back and see, I gave more in 2021 than in all the years of my life. Just receive it. You're going to have more harvests come to you. More unexpected blessings are going to come into your hand. Things that nobody saw coming are going to happen for you. Things that weren't happening for others is going to happen for you in Jesus' mighty name. You're not going to struggle through 2021. You're going to run through 2021 in Jesus' name. You're not going to crawl or trudge hands and knees through 2021. That's not going to be your story. You're running in 2021. I want to encourage you right now to kickstart it by faith, by sowing a seed. Kickstart it. Kick the devil in the teeth and sow a seed by faith and say, God, I thank you. You're my provider. Let me tell you what happens when you sow uh, what we would call a sacrificial seed. One of the things that takes place is this. You are literally by that seed telling God, I believe you are my source and my provider, not the world, not the economy, not a stimulus check, not my corporation, not, not a family member, you Lord and you alone are my source. You're my source. And when you sow a sacrificial seed, when you do something that the Lord's putting in your spirit, it's you saying, God, I believe you. Thank you, Joel and Carrie, for sowing a seed. You can join them in the comments with hashtag donate on Facebook or Twitter and Periscope. Or if you're on YouTube, the information's on the screen. MiracleWord.com, the easiest place to sow a seed. But you can sow by PayPal, wherever you are in the world. Cash app, Venmo, and uh, if you'd like to mail a check and by some miracle, the United States Postal Service gets it to our ministry. Our address is on the bottom of every page of our website. If you'd like to buy extreme faith, put your trust in the United States Postal Service to somehow transport your money, then by all means, step out. But there's many quicker ways. (laughs) to do it. Thank you, Ann, for sowing a seed. I want to encourage you to do something significant that takes faith to do, that takes faith, not something that's flippant, not something that you could easily release that means nothing to you. Something. Thank you, Janine, for sending a, a cash app. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Brittany. Love you. Do something that's going to shake you up. It makes me laugh. Like, you know, you hear... You hear people get up and it blows my mind how people have such a a small vision for what God can do. Thank you, Arian, for for sowing a seed. You know, just remember something. A seed that you release, I've I've heard preachers get up and say, 
I want you to get such and such amount of seed in your hand and get ready to change your destiny. Let me, let me say something. If it's the same amount of money that you spend, you know, if it's the same amount of money you spend at Cracker Barrel for your family's dinner, it's not a seed that's going to shake your destiny. Let me just put it that way. I'm just being very plain. It, doesn't, it didn't take faith for you to eat dinner at Cracker Barrel, and it's not taken faith for you to sow that seed. If it's not attached to faith, is it moving God? If it means nothing to you, if you spent that on biscuits and jam, <laughs> is that moving God? I'm just giving you, I'm showing you how to think about your seed. I'm showing you how to think about it. Get ready to put the, put us such and such amount of seed going to shake your, de- it ain't shaking your destiny if it doesn't even shake your flesh. And if you release it routinely, that's why I told you, you guys have heard me say it many times. I heard that guy on television, that preacher wanted people to call in and sow a $66 seed to, you know, change their life. First, my first thought was I've spent more than that on myself in the Taco Bell drive through that ain't changing my life or altering my destiny. <laughs> you have to think like that. If you don't think like that, then you'll think everything's normal in the world. And then when you get into church, there's somehow some filter that comes onto people's mind when they come in church. And things that don't seem big at all in the world, when they come into church, it starts seeming big. $50 in an offering plate. <laughs> $100 in an offering plate, what do they need that? And it's funny. It's like there's this filter when people walk through the door. It's like, oh, my goodness. And like that's, and you, you go out in the world. There's people that can take their family to Disney World because it's a hot day. You'll, you'll spend nine bucks on a bottle of water. and You'll buy 10 of them for your family. Drop $90 on water. And people don't think anything. Oh, my God, we're at Disney World. Everybody take a picture. Ah, oh, drinking $9 water. And then you get into church and the devil gets you deceived like, oh, that's, that's a little too much, a little too big. And people want God to change and alter their destiny. Have something in your hand. Have something in your hand that will shake for real your flesh. <laughs> oh, Zach's got me laughing in the comments. So an average market price seed. Maybe one day I'll tell the story behind that to everybody in the Victory Tribe. But that day is not today. (laughs) It's good to know what market price means based on what you're looking at. (laughs) It has to mean something. Has to mean something to your flesh. It has to mean something. To you, if it's going to mean something to God. Remember, let that be, let that be your, your watermark for your sowing. When you look at it, does this mean something to me or does it not? And it won't be the same for everybody because we're all in different places, but does this mean something to me or does it not? And that's how you know if it's something that'll please the Lord, if it's something that's like, man, this is precious to me. This is precious to me. It will move God. It will move God. 
If it doesn't, it won't move God. But let me pray on every, for every person that's sowing seeds tonight by faith, whether you're on the website, cash app, Venmo, PayPal, whatever, hashtag donate. Father, thank you for every faithful sower, every faithful person that has stood with this ministry and continues to stand. I pray that you would bless them according to the seed they've sown. According to their faith, bless them. I pray you open up the windows of heaven over their house. Bless their children, their families, their businesses, their ministries. In Jesus' name, let this be the greatest financial year that they've ever experienced because of their faithfulness. We thank you that as we sow, as we sow our seed, we will see extreme harvest from our extreme seeds. In Jesus' mighty name, we give you glory, honor, and praise. And somebody throw some fire and hands up in the comments if you receive it and believe it. For everybody that's sowing at least $85 or more this month, we're sending you Gloria Copeland's book, God's Will is Prosperity. Go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, fill out the form, give us your address, let us know how you gave, and we will send that to you uh, ASAP. Those of you also sowing largely $1,000 or more, we're going to send you the Life Application Study Bible, Genuine Leather, New Living Translation, phenomenal, phenomenal study resource. You're helping us every single day. God's blessed us and he's our source. We're feeding hundreds of children every day. And now it begins. Miracle Word TV has launched and we're launching now around the world. It's launched in the U.S. Now the other nations are getting ready to air the broadcasts. I can't wait to see the souls that are going to be saved from what's, what God's doing through Miracle Word television. It's awesome. God opened it up for us. And now it's taking place. Supernatural, man. It's supernatural. We've already got uh, people contacting us. We, we can track it all, which is what I love. We can track it through the website. People on the I just got saved uh, section of the website. People re- that are receiving the gift that we're offering on television. So we know where they're at. We know how many people are accessing it. We can see how many people are hitting the pages. It's an awesome thing to be able to see the response. And now that we're launching internationally, I can't even wait to see what God's going to do. The digital discipleship program is launching. We're going to touch people wherever they are in the world, teach them by faith uh, the what we would call the next steps of being a Christian, straight up discipleship. We're going to bring them up in maturity in the things of God, and it's going to be awesome. God's going to use it before Jesus comes. Thanks for standing with us. If you haven't taken a moment to partner with us, pray. I'm asking the Lord to attach a thousand people to this ministry that'll sow $85 a month or more. Thousand people. That's a million dollars a year. That's not a big goal. That's where we're uh, beginning, if you will. And Robert, we're going to be airing um, not only in the United States, but also on the entire continent of Africa, in the UK, also in the entire Caribbean, also in the Philippines and on, in Pakistan, which that, that station in Pakistan touches other nations all over the world. And so uh, we're putting together the TV page right now where you'll be able to see everywhere we air so that you can watch. And uh, of course, obviously, we will upload all of our television programs to our YouTube channel where you can view them there as well. So we're going to have those available as well for you guys. And it's going to be It's going to be wonderful to see what God does. I love you so much. Thanks for hanging with me tonight. Don't forget tomorrow morning, Saturday, we've added an extra broadcast during the fast. Tomorrow's the last Saturday broadcast, but same time, 10.30 a.m. 
There's no broadcast tomorrow night or Sunday night. We're back Monday through Friday next week, morning and night, 9 o'clock. Don't forget, Friday night of next week, a week from today, the 22nd of January, we're concluding the fast with a breakthrough prayer and communion service. We want your prayer requests. Send them to us, miracleword.com forward slash prayer. And we want to print them out, lay our hands on them and pray for you and with you. It's going to be awesome. Don't miss it. Stay strong on the fast. We got one week left. Press in in prayer. Press in. Praise God. Sow your seeds. Watch what God's going to do. Have a great night. Have a blessed rest. I love you. I'll talk to you again in the morning. Have a good night. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.